Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Gregory Gifford, a Salesforce MVP and the author of Automating Salesforce Marketing Cloud. We explore Greg's early career aspirations, how he was first exposed to marketing technology, and how he has seen marketing automation evolve over the years. Greg talks about his initial experience with Exact Target, how the platform has expanded since the Salesforce acquisition, and when he first acknowledged the power of the Salesforce community. We look at the differences between working client and agency side, as well as discuss the skills that are required in a Salesforce marketing cloud team. Finally, Greg shares some advice for anyone on the periphery of the Salesforce ecosystem and explains who will find value in his book. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. We're exploring the world of uh, marketing automation and specifically Salesforce Marketing Cloud today. I'm I'm interested in hearing a bit about your journey to this point and um, I guess what kind of led you down the path of uh, specializing in in this space. So when did you first become interested in marketing and advertising and what was it that kind of attracted you to that path? I'm going to start back in uh, high school. So for most of my schooling, including high school years, I, I honestly was kind of lost in what I wanted to do in the future. The only thing that really stood out to me was computers. I was not exactly highly skilled or knowledgeable at the time around them, but they were an interest of mine. So when I went to college, I had to declare a major. And even though I did not really know what it was, I declared computer science since I like doing things on the computer. (laughs) So there's literally nothing else that really stood out to me as, oh, I can do this for the rest of my life. So in college, I went with my computer science degree, which lasted until my first calculus test. (laughs) I had probably one of the the strictest, toughest teachers I've ever run into for that class. I don't get me wrong. I was a like straight A student, but I hadn't failed a single class nor really even come close to that until calculus where I went down and what I like to call big burning ball of failure there. Uh, I could spend hours talking about how he you know, did me wrong and give excuse after excuse, but that's not what we're here to hear. So after that, I started going again feeling maybe computer science is not for me. Uh, I started talking with a few other friends of mine at college and they were majoring in advertising and communication. After learning a bit about that, I really kind of dug how it's just boils down to problem solving and it's more problem solving people and behavior compared to where in computer science, it's math and logical operations. So this, this understanding and the push from my friends is really what started driving me down the, the marketing and advertising path. So obviously at that point, um, I guess when you were studying computer science, you saw a career in technology and then as you transitioned into the communications and marketing and advertising space, I guess it probably wasn't all that clear to you that you would still be a technologist in the future? I didn't really plan it, per se. I honestly don't think I really had any sort of plan for most of my college career. Most of what I did just goes was what felt right and sort of floated forward without a long-term goal. I did 
always have the passion for technology. And I knew that's where I could potentially have the most impact at. So I always kind of leaned in that direction when possible. Like I love being able to utilize all of like the different kinds of technology to like automate things or provide different benefits to my life. And I, plus, I mean, I, I was and still am a big video game, not which is all technology. So technology always had a draw to me because it's complex, but simple. I know that sounds odd, but what I mean by that is like an automation, how we take a whole bunch of complex steps and like different activities and different things. And we use technology, we simplify it down to like just push of a button and it all gets done. Like the other part probably that that really drew me to technology is how in some ways it's very rigid where you have a specific syntax, can only do it this specific way to get this done. But then also in other areas, it's basically the wild west in the sense of you have this one specific end goal that you want your script do and you have about 10,000 different ways that you can get there and inside of many different areas they're all right so it does it's not that there's one solution there's a million solutions depending on a lot of variables so this kind of like gives you the freedom to leave your mark in the field too and kind of pave your own way rather than just you know be a cog in a wheel sort of situation so that's really yeah that's where I was with that. <laughs> so when you started pushing yourself more away from computer science into the marketing world, and, and was marketing technology a thing right then? Like, Could you see that as a potential career path in university, or, or at that stage it wasn't necessarily something that was being utilized or talked about? So it, it wasn't really something that was utilized a whole bunch. It was in the very beginning where technology was kind of coming into existence there in the sense of marketing and technology combined. Obviously, technology has been around for a while, but that combination there was just beginning. In fact, in my college courses, I had a whole bunch of college classes talking about this new innovative way that we're using technology and marketing and, you know, integrated marketing and all this kind of stuff that really was trying to pave the way there for that. So I know I'm dating myself a little bit there, but that's part of where I kind of was getting my first exposure into that kind of stuff. Uh, and honestly, that I could I could go into a little story there about my first exposure, if you don't mind. I, no, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear how you first came across the power of marketing technology and, and how that came to be. Sure, yeah. This, this is probably one of my favorite stories to tell because I started in what I like to call a very ridiculous way. So First exposure was in a, a very tiny little quote-unquote agency that I started into when I was finishing up college. Basically, this agency was three middle-aged men <laughs> chain-smoking in a closet. So since I was the one that had like you know HTML, CSS skills, and some knowledge of technology, all of a sudden I became like the email guy and the, the web developer, which I most certainly was not even close to a web developer. And but there was no one else there that had any knowledge at all in it. So that became me. Uh, very quickly through that, it became apparent to me that these people had no idea about technology, had no interest in technology, and were putting emphasis on the wrong direction. It would not grow and invest in there. So that's where I then moved to an actual like company, a brand. I, I no longer worked in the agency setting, but instead moved brand side to a financial services company. When I joined there, that's that company was, you know, 
three, four person marketing department. But joining there, I met my first real tech whiz of marketing in my career. He helped me to grow my capabilities, nurture me, become more of an innovator for email marketing, kind of take over that aspect fully and completely. Like that was the part where the veal was opened and I saw all of the possibilities instead of just being, you know, shoved onto things and, you know, forcing technology in places that maybe it wasn't the right fit kind of thing. So what were you using at that point then? What, what technology was being used by the business? Uh, so at that point, it was still exact target. There was some SQL databases that were attached to it. It's been a while, so I'm trying to remember what other technologies they had. I think that was before exact target started diving into the SMS capabilities and things like that. So it was mostly focused on just email and a little bit of web. There was some front-end stuff. I was not as heavily involved in that part of it, but there was some with like different landing pages and things like that that would exist on the, at the time, exact target interface that that I would be utilizing. So a lot of people that will be listening to this that might work with Marketing Cloud today won't necessarily have had exposure to exact target prior to the acquisition. So can you remember... After the acquisition, uh, at what point, I guess, from the moment that the platform was acquired, how much it's evolved now? And in comparison to back then, could you back then be a specialist in everything? Uh, obviously, I appreciate there were elements that you didn't do in your role, but could someone theoretically be a, an exact target specialist and be across the whole platform? Um, and do you still think that's possible today with the evolution of the Salesforce Marketing Cloud platform? Once Salesforce bought Exact Target, there there were certainly some growing pains up front there. Uh, all in all, though, I think there were very large steps forward. Salesforce introduced real, true cross-channel marketing into the tool. Exact Target did start dabbling their toes, and like I said, there was the SMS stuff they were bringing up. There was some integrated platform capabilities that were beginning right as soon as they were purchased by Salesforce. And I, I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that will disagree with me and point out that the base was built by exact target for this. And that's all very true. I definitely fully agree with that. But I still give the credit to Salesforce on how elegant it's grown up into being because very obviously they've had a lot more experience in building this kind of stuff than exact target did. They're a fairly large, significant company. Whereas Exact Target still was growing, but was still fairly small in comparison. As to if someone could be across the products for Exact Target, I would say yes, 100%. That, and I even think if we go to what is the remainder of Exact Target now inside of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, which is engagement, I would still say yes, you can be across all of the, the capabilities inside of engagement. But now, Salesforce Marketing Cloud has grown into many multiple products through the recent name changes. So it is not just that engagement platform anymore. So I'd say yes, but only inside of like oversight or general sense, like that high level solutioning aspect, you can be across all. But if you're going to look at someone that's really, truly specialized, I wouldn't say more than maybe two of the products, just due to the different context, languages, environments, all of that that's that's really unique across each. Because prior to the last year, they were all technically completely different products. So now, now that they're grouped, it's likely in the future 
that'll probably get more unified. It'll be something that at each one of those products starts changing to match the others and all that. But I don't see that in the near future. I think it's still going to be a couple of years before we are able to get more and more specialization across all of those products. Mm-hmm. And you came into the Salesforce world through the acquisition of Exact Target, right? So you were working on that platform, Salesforce acquires it, and then you become a Salesforce professional. But at what point did you really start to notice the power of the Salesforce community and the ecosystem? And, and how did you then get involved in that? So like you said, I did so started out the Exact Target community because that's the tool I was introduced to Salesforce from. That was honestly when they purchased it was the first I really truly had exposure to Salesforce. I, I did dabble inside of the exact target communities and events. There was some like, I think it was like 360 or something like that, that there was their little like, uh, training places and things like that. I moved around. I attended some connections, all of that, but I wasn't really fully invested in the community at that time. Once Salesforce did buy Exact Target, though, I started to find out about like different forums and groups, mostly like Salesforce Stack Exchange. Once I found that site, I found like by people and I felt that instant connection. I was definitely like a user of the site for a good year before I had the confidence to really begin posting answers and comments and kind of putting out questions myself. Once I did though, like I, I couldn't stop as I grew there. I just, I started getting more and more exposure to the larger Ohana of Salesforce and all those communities that come along with it. And honestly, never looked back since. Uh, there have been so many opportunities, doors, friendships and relationships that have grown out of being in the community. It's unfathomable to me that how anyone could work at a Salesforce product and not be a member of the community. Yeah, it's such an incredibly powerful thing. And it showed me this week, actually, I got a message from someone in the US and they said that they were at a user group that was attended by someone from the UK who I've never met, but I've spoken to online. They've been on the podcast and the person from the UK that's in the US at the moment attended a user group and recommended this person gets in touch with me about a potential opportunity in Australia. And I was like, how that, that surely doesn't happen in other, you know, industries where, you know, you've got this online communication between three parties that have never met each other, but are all recommending each other. And the power of the community is just something else. Oh, it's absolutely insane. Like some of the, the people that I collaborate with best are people that are on the other side of the world for me. Mm hmm. I feel like at any time of day for me, I can get onto a Slack channel or, you know, any sort of forum and have people that I know that I can instantly converse with. And I'm sure they have the same with them as well. It's, it's a full global community that every person is welcoming to and mm-hmm. every person is out to learn and learn with you and teach. Like I said, I don't think I've, I've ever seen anything to compare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So your first experience was in a finance organization. You've then moved and transitioned into you know, consulting and, and partner side. How would you explain the different challenges that you face um, if you're working for a customer compared to working for a, a partner or agency? So working with a client and an agency, I, I think they're both two sides of the same coin. When, when push comes to shove, the end goal of each is to provide a high quality solution to help business prosper and move forward. That's basically, you're there to make the company money. The issue, or I guess difference, not issue, is is how it's accomplished and the, the measurement of success. Client side is more focused on like that full integration and immersion with the company infrastructure, the context, the goals, 
And agency partner side, your focus is more on that, like hone in that specific project or job. And the goal is to try to get as close, if not above the client's set goals or requirements as possible. Uh, on average, client side two has a more, uh, a higher expectation of creating solutions or finding and defining pathways to success. Uh, where agency is usually more like production oriented. I know there's so many people right now getting out of their seat trying to throw things at me for saying that. I'm not trying to say that all agency work is purely production. There are different engagements of some of the larger companies or middle companies where the idea is thought leadership, the idea is innovation, all that. There is, there is, that's the bread and butter of companies though, of, I'm sorry, of, Partner agencies, though, is that production, is being able to get those sense out, being able to build these things, build all these projects, work with the company to help uh, supplement their own internal teams. The the thought leadership, that subject matter expert, innovation, smart friend type stuff is amazing. It's what makes a company or partner stand out, but it's not what usually makes them that money. So do you differentiate between like an agency and a consultancy? Like, Because obviously there are consultancies that will go in and, and do the initial implementation of, of Marketing Cloud. Because I think a lot of people would, if they don't know the Marketing Cloud world, they wouldn't differentiate between an agency that does production and a, a consulting partner that does implementation that might not necessarily then do the production. So do you see that there is a difference between those two types of consulting organizations? Yes, yeah, there is a big difference. Like you just said, there's agency is going to be the one that has that production aspect to it. Consultancy is going to be only really those thought leaderships. There will be some doing from them. And like you said, initial implementation, there will be some work on helping to build out in tandem. But in general, they're usually fairly hands off from the tools. They're more of telling you how your business should move forward. Yeah, I'd say as to the the major difference, I, I think honestly, you're gonna find in agency there's a lot more of a, a solid background inside of the technical aspects where the consultancies are usually more of that high level uh solutioning aspect to find ways that maybe aren't platform specific solutioning and strategies. Agencies have that as well. <laughs> I'm not trying to say one is better than the other in any way, shape, or form. Sure. Yeah, and then obviously you get some um, like all-in-one shops that can do everything from implementation to production, right? So um, we, we see some of those as well that are truly specialists in that that marketing cloud world. You know, they, they don't tend to do a huge amount outside of that, or they, they have a specific team that only focuses on on marketing cloud as well. So what about then the makeup of, of a, a marketing cloud team? Because you get like the more email focused skill sets and then the more data driven skill sets. So what, what kind of makes up the perfect marketing cloud team? If if you were to create a new team for, for an organization now, what kind of skills would you look for? It's a difficult question to answer. Really, honestly, with, with how much marketing cloud has grown and increased, it's got to be kind of like a little more Specific. So uh, what I'm going to do, because I mean, like, what product you use, what support avenues you have internally, all that is going to change what you need. So I'm going to kind of give a a specific context just to kind of help that I can answer without just giving big responses. So I'm going to say, like, we're talking about uh, Salesforce engagement, which is email studio, automation studio, all of that. 
with the focus being on like email, SMS, push, all that kind of stuff as the messaging that's going out. For this, I would say the three most important skills that we need for daily usage would be SQL, email development, which is like HTML, CSS, and AMP script. I think with these three skill sets, you would open up pretty much all of the core capabilities of engagement, allowing for things like custom segmentation, reporting, dynamic content, personalization, as well as building intuitive and innovative email messaging. Now, outside of those technical aspects, there there are some things like you'd want like an email designer, a project manager, administrator, a data designer, an architect. And I know this is starting to sound like, wow, like this team is like, you know, 10 people. Oh my God. Like, you know, that the most places can't afford that. And honestly, that's not what I'm trying to say. Most of these skills can be combined into a single person. For instance, you could have like your SQL person that's also a data designer, an architect, an admin, maybe a project manager, and there you're taking three or four of those skill sets right off the table, which leads me to where I would say the minimum people I would really recommend having on a marketing cloud team are three to four team members or the equivalent of. And what I mean equivalent of is you could have, you know, two front end developers that are working on, you know, web stuff in one way, but then also half of the time they're working on email stuff. That would then equate to one person because there's two half people. So like that, that kind of stuff to, to is what I mean by equivalent of, because otherwise, like if you're looking less, you're looking at like one or two people, you're going to start noticing silos and blinders in relation to marketing cloud and, and kind of reduce the effectiveness of it. Like it, I've been in that situation where I am the marketing cloud person. I'm the only person in the tool. Like I'm the only person that does anything or understands anything in it. And I completely missed a ton of things that would have been amazing solutions because I was the only point of view on it. I didn't realize, hey, outside of my blinders, there's this awesome thing that I can do. So by having those more viewpoints, the more likely you are to get around that. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's good to get that insight because we we sometimes get clients come to us and say, well, we've just implemented Salesforce. We need someone to look after the platform. And okay, cool. What are you using? Sales, service, marketing, cloud. Like someone thinks that you know you can get across everything and be the one person that looks after the whole suite. And obviously, marketing cloud is so different from sales cloud. It's you know to to expect someone that can do that is is very difficult. There are a few people you know that know both platforms, but actually, then to hear what it takes to run a marketing cloud platform as a team, would give people the insight they need to understand, actually, you need a lot more than just one person across the whole platform. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. So you, um, you've recently released a book. So um, where, where did the idea come from? And who gets value from, from reading that book? The idea came from, honestly, just the, the years of, of talking in the community and being involved. Like I've started getting together a bunch of different topics thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to use this on my blog and make this series. And then as it grew, I'm like, this is way too big for me to put on my blog. I've got so much detail. And from there, it kind of turned into like, I met uh, the publisher packed and we started having conversations realized, Hey, this would be a great book. And that's kind of how this all kind of steamrolled together into bringing that out. As to who the book's like aimed for, honestly, I mean, I tried to aim it at everyone I could. I think I, it could help people of all levels. I, I think like, for instance, I, it certainly could help day zero people, but 
I think that in order for them to really get the most value out of it, they need to be able to get some time and experience in the platform, really be able to understand some of the the terminology and the the ideas and context of it before it really makes sense. The the automation theory stuff and all that in the beginning I think is certainly great, but I think a lot of the other stuff, like it can be a reference as you learn, but you might not get the full value in return. And vice versa too, I think for those that are more experienced or highly experienced, some of the middle couple chapters where we go into a lot of the platform specific stuff may not really give you everything you want, but we've got that automation theory again that can help for those that are developer centric, that they have a developer mindset and don't think about those possibilities and are only A to B to C. Getting that theory in there, they can help expand up and learn better solutioning, elegant solutions, all that kind of stuff, as well as those that are highly skilled in one area, like say amazing at server-side JavaScript, but have never built a custom journey builder activity, we have examples. We have this all set up in an entire chapter pretty much on that that you can use to learn and kind of grow your skill set there and be able to do more. Yeah, nice. So there, there's something in there for everyone. Yep. Yeah, that's the idea. And like I think probably of who I would say finds the most value is probably the person in marketing cloud has the desire to grow their efficiency and capabilities. I don't think like the number of years, the experience or skill set is as important as the drive, desire, and openness to learn. And I feel like that's really what would determine who would get the most out of the book. And, and talking to, to those people that maybe are starting their journey now and, and looking to get into the marketing cloud, what advice would you have to someone that's kind of fresh and, and ready to explore the world of marketing cloud and, and hopefully find their first opportunity? But what kind of building blocks would you recommend people put in place to, to get there? So I would start off saying absolutely marketing cloud is a great career to get into. It's amazing people, amazing community. I think it's one of the, the funnest platforms I've ever worked on. Along with that, though, it's one of the harder things to break into because in order to get that experience that people are looking for, you need a role that's touching marketing cloud to be able to to, to get that experience because there is no dev environment or anything that you can kind of fiddle around with to play with beforehand. So you usually have to start out from nothing and hope someone is willing to take a chance on you and hire you in. Salesforce has worked around some options. Like they have some boot camps that have like dev environments and stuff that you can play around and mess with, but it's only temporary. It's getting us there, but it's still likely the hardest hurdle of getting into it. So my advice based on that is not to try and sell yourself as an expert in something that you don't you aren't an expert in that you know you might have the trailhead knowledge you might have the theory might have a lot of that but you haven't actually done it and a lot of times it's fairly easy to see those people when you're on an interview so instead of trying to sell that i would instead demonstrate the drive and desire to learn and grow show what you've learned so far Share who you learned it from or how you learned it, how you intend to continue to learn and grow and express your desire to do so in that company. This kind of helps to show the recruiter as well as the hiring manager the potential they can have with you. It kind of helps them to re-examine the value proposition they use when hiring a candidate. I personally, I would more often hire someone that has absolutely no experience, but huge high potential of growth over someone that's got 
you know, a couple of years experience, but doesn't show the drive to move forward as much as the others that are in there. So you can upskill someone, you can train someone, but you can't create that hunger to grow and learn Mm -hmm. in someone that has to come from that person. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is more of a, like it's a a level playing field, right? And because there aren't developer orgs, it's really attitude is a big thing to show like, you know, are you attending meetups? Are you in the community? Are you um, reading blogs? Are you reaching out to people like yourself and asking questions and um, <clears throat> and showing that hunger? Um, because yeah, it's, it can't just be about learning in a, in a developer org and, and just purely on trailhead, right? That's um, that's not the option um, in the marketing cloud world. And then then finally talking about community, obviously there are people out there that are on the periphery of the, the ecosystem. They don't necessarily jump in with both feet and, and explore and, and get the most value from the community whilst adding value to the community. So what would you say to people that aren't necessarily as embedded in the ecosystem as they could be for whatever reason? The the Salesforce community, honestly, is probably one of the best communities out there. I, I feel like I, I said this before, but it's 100% true. Like the, the welcoming environment, the helpful demeanor of the members, it's incomparable to any other platform or service or software out there that I've ever seen. I mean, are there flaws? Are there places that could be better? Sure, but I mean, the dedication of the volunteer members, as well as the actual initiatives and attention to Salesforce itself to grow and nurture the community is astounding. It was through the community that I grew. Like I was saying earlier, like, I mean, I started out surfing Salesforce Stack Exchange to get free dev help. Then all of a sudden I was answering the questions for, you know, what? I'm speaking at events and on panels and subject matter expert without the community to help engage, grow and challenge me. I would not be where I am today. This is. Why every day I, I work to try and contribute at least something to the community to ensure I can kind of pay it back for the amazing things that it's allowed me to accomplish. Which is what makes the community so great, right? That you have these people that have gone from, you know, asking questions to answering and now wanting to give back on a daily basis to help others. And that, that you know, it goes round and round and, and more people doing that obviously keeps the community what it is. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and insight. Um, really enjoyed the chat. And if anyone does want to reach out and you know ask any questions, maybe not platform related because they can ask that in the community, but in terms of just your career or getting any advice from you, what, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, honestly, the best two ways are uh, both Slack communities. There is how to SFMC Slack community as well as the email geek Slack community. I would normally say Twitter, but with everything going on, I've kind of reduced my presence there. So I, I may not be as um, reachable there, but I also am on LinkedIn. And if you reach out on there, I'm fairly active there as well. And I can communicate there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was great talking with you. My pleasure.